What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Hopefully you enjoyed the Coach Cully show that preceded this one from 5 to 6. But I appreciate you being with me for this show. We are going to hear from our buddy Andre. We're here in just a second. We had a lot to talk about. A ton, especially college football. And college football is the theme for our following guest in the second segment. That is going to be David Fletcher, general manager of Lone Star Sports Entertainment, the executive director of the Tax Act Texas Bowl. We've got two teams, Kansas State and LSU, January 4th. That is going to be a blast. I love Love, love, love the bowl game, and so looking forward to that. So Fletch is going to join me. And then we're going to hear from Spencer Tillman. I had as much fun talking to Spence, but it's, I just loved it. It was really fun, and we talked a little bit about the Oklahoma job as well, and he was very candid about Brent Venables taking the job there at Oklahoma. So we got a lot to do, and let's start it off with our man, Andre Ware. Dre, all right, let's talk quarterbacking here. You think it should be Mills the rest of the way? And if it is, how do you handle the situation with five games to go and you want to look into next year and build some momentum into the offseason? Yeah, I think that started uh, last week, guys, where – I mean, excuse me, the yesterday when Davis Mills came into the game. Uh, I think it was his game from – or his season from that point on. Uh, they just – you know, Terod wasn't showing them enough to where I thought he could go back in the game. He didn't. But when uh, they left Davis Mills in, that's his, the reps are his. And you have to really see what he has the rest of the season so you know that going into the offseason and into the draft. Dre, this is a easy question to ask, a very complicated and complex question to answer and to do it in you know one segment, basically. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see Davis do? If Davis does remain the starter, and I, I, I think all three of us are in agreement that he's going to be, what do you want to see from him this weekend, starting against Seattle and through the last five games? Well, I'd like to see the game where he threw for 300-plus <laughs> yards every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's what you want to see from him uh, initially. But, uh, you know, being realistic, just playing consistent football, uh, getting through his reads and progressions. And, and uh, you know what, I think that was starting to happen. Uh, before they went back to Tarot, because the longer you're out there, the more uh, film there is that you can go back. It's you know people say, well, it's film for others to better defend you. Well, it's also film of yourself to where you can you know go through, pick, look at the certain mistakes that you're making and clean those things up and continue to progress as a player. And so I think he was in that spot in that space until the, his removal, and then now it's kind of. You're starting over again, and and uh, boy, am I uh, all too familiar with with that. So I, I think they give him the rest of the season and uh, and allow him to develop, make some mistakes, grow from them, and to see just how fast he could turn the corner in the last five games. Dre against Cleveland, Tyrod Taylor leaves at the half with the hamstring injury. We d- that was September nineteenth. We don't see him again on the field until November 7th at Miami. He throws three picks that day. I think it's an imposter. I think that he's been possessed. I think there's an alien invasion, <laughs> and they've taken over his body because this is a man who's never thrown more than six interceptions in an entire season. He's thrown five in six games. This is not who he is. What is going on with him, in your opinion? 
I think he's pressing because of the running game. There's no consistency there. When you can't run the football as a quarterback in game, you start to, you know, play outside of the, the system a little bit. You start to freelance a little bit more, try to move the team because you know that all the eyes are going to point to you when things don't get done. You're the one, you're the last soldier uh, in the locker room answering questions as to why the offense can't get itself going. Look at it this way as well. You're talking way back in September when he made his first start and he looked like, you know, the guy that uh, we could, this team could win with. And he comes back, a whole lot of faces are different. Uh, up front on the offensive line, they're in, they may be, some may be there, but they're in different places. Uh, receivers, some gone, some moved, some shuffled. Tight ends are not in the lineup that you started the season with, so it's a different cast of characters for Tarod that you know you may have built some chemistry with uh, in training camp and the off season, and then going into certainly that first week. Dre, I want to expand on a thought that you made um, as soon as I saw it. You, I mean, you hit it perfectly, and it was I think sometime in the first or second quarter when Tyrod went back to pass, he had a he really had a perfect pocket. He hasn't had that all the time. Let's be honest. He has not had that all the time, but he did. He had a, he had a perfect pocket, and he got to his back step, and instead of kind of bouncing like you see, you know, other quarter, he started to move immediately. And you pointed that out about him seeing the rush and looking down at the rush. Can you expand on that and talk about what you saw and how that impacts a quarterback when you're looking at the rush as opposed to feeling the rush and looking down the field to find receivers? That's a good question because that game that, that Mark just alluded to against Cle- Cleveland or way back at the beginning of the season against Jacksonville, he wasn't doing that. He was stepping up and into the pocket. He was comfortable uh, operating within the structure of the offensive line or whatever pocket was formed. He would step up and into it. Uh, yesterday, I noticed quickly that uh, you know he was – Feet started to patter a little bit. That's the first sign of it. Uh, and then you're starting to move and see the pass rush. And by that, instead of your eyes seeing coverage, you're more concerned about being tackled. You're more, more concerned about being sacked. Uh, when a quarterback gets to that point, you've been hit a lot or there's no trust in what's going on in front of you. And so uh, it happened yesterday. I saw it, and I think maybe even the coaching staff, when they made the change, might it might have been a little uh, it might have been on the forefront of their brains as well, which is why they didn't go back to Tarot in the once he once he exited the game. But that's not a place that you want to live if you're a quarterback. Certainly, you want to be comfortable. You want to know that you can step up and there's nobody there barreling down on you. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of sacks that were may, I, I thought didn't need to happen yesterday. Dre, here are the Colts at 7-6 and six after this 31-0 victory over the Texans. What do you make of their future? They're still behind the Titans, of course, but how good do you think they can get down the stretch here? Because this is where the money is made as far as the regular season goes, these final four or five games for these teams as they jockey for a position. I think, uh, I think the Colts are getting healthy. When they get Ryan Kelly back, uh, their center, I thought he was playing. The other guy was playing so well yesterday, but – uh, when they get him back and they're fully healthy on the offensive line and everybody else is healthy, I, I actually think the Colts are going to win the division. I really do. Uh, Titans have gone the other way. I don't know if they get Derrick Henry back at the end of the season or not or if this is his, his deal with season ending. 
But I think the Colts, even in that instance, will will win the division. They'll get hot. They'll put the winning put a winning streak together. And uh, I think they're the best team in the division right now from a health standpoint, from a talent standpoint, uh, experience. Every they align, they check every box when they're healthy, and so they're gonna be tough to beat. Dre, Mark, and I are in studio, and they keep flashing the highlights or lowlights, I guess, of this Chiefs win against the Denver Broncos last night, but the offense continues to struggle, and you've played the position at quarterback, and when your offense sort of gets in a in a funk, like it seems that the Chiefs' offense is, what's the biggest thing to get out of that funk so that you can kind of get back doing what you're normally used to doing? I think it's timing. Um, yeah, you got to look at what, what left – that team last year and it was you know a couple of receivers offensive linemen and so when you when that happens timing is thrown off uh chemistry is thrown off and when you when you write a big check to your quarterback you got to cut some corners somewhere to to stay under the salary cap and i now my cousin's a big chiefs fan and i tell him all the time that's happened to you guys now you know you're not going to have the same operation that you had uh, that before Mahomes got his contract because uh, you got to go find some bargain players now. And I think that's what's what's really going on in Kansas City. Uh, he'll just go back and try to work and, and build chemistry with the guys that he has, but they're not just on the same talent level. And that's hard to say with the Chiefs because Sammy Watkins, you, know, you say what you want to say about it, but he's a hard chick. You know, big physical receiver that can run, and he's, he's got experience and – He's playing now for the Baltimore Ravens. So that that's just one example. On the offensive line, they had to rebuild that thing. Well, it's not what it used to be, and that's exactly where it starts first for a quarterback is that you got to have the protection up front. you got to be able to sit and read and, and do the things that you, uh, that you normally do. Kelsey's still there. Tariq Hill's still there. But if you can't see them, uh, then they're just average. They become average players as opposed to all pro players. Dre, tonight it's a good one on Monday Night Football with the Patriots visiting the Bills in a very big game for both teams. What do you make of this one as Josh Allen and Mac Jones square off? Yeah, everybody's ready to pass the uh, the torch to uh, to the Buffalo Bills. Not so fast. I think Bill Belichick's done one heck of a job in rebuilding this team. I think Mac Jones is is uh, is a winner, and you know, just to kind of go back and put a bow on that thing, John asked asked me. Uh, Johnny asked me about Kansas City. No one should ever have to apologize for winning a game in the NFL. Right. You yes. know, it, it's, it's one of those where uh, you're going to have a bad week or two. 17 weeks, you're going to have about two games where, hell, I, we don't even recognize this team. But if that team is good enough that day uh, to win a football game, you take it, move on, and, and get to the next one. Now, in, on tonight's game, I, I think it's New England. I don't think they're ready to go away yet. I think uh, they're just kind of rounding in the form so to speak, they got some young players and, and Stevenson who's starting to step up at running back for them. Uh, and, and Mac Jones is just, he, he's, he's been phenomenal. Uh, there's been no, no drop off in his plays. It's been steady Eddie. And that's exactly what you want in new England at, uh, for a bill Belichick team at quarterback. I, I think they're just getting revved up and started. And I still have them winning that division this year. I would love to win and not apologize. It would be great. Yeah, we did a lot of that the last few years. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, we won yeah. a game, 29-22 yeah. or the Patriots, uh, but it wasn't sexy. And I'm like, man, 
I have said it to Tom. I apologize for winning. Oh, like the nine game, the nine game winning streak. People were like, "Yeah, but you didn't win the yeah. right way." I'm like, "I'll take a nine game winning streak There's improperly, no right <laughs> improperly yeah. done." Are you kidding? Yeah, I, I like. I'll that. take a 15-10 win any day over what yep. we did, what was displayed yesterday. That was that was. I'd have to admit that was one of the tougher games that we've done in our 20 years together, where it just didn't seem like there was. Um, any ample opportunity to score, let alone uh, be in that game at any point. That was tough. Well, it's it's the most frustrating season. I'll, I'll call it. And, yeah. I, you know, we've been here for them all, Dre. We've done every game. Look, I, I think this is the toughest season because it is the 20th year and it is so difficult to score. And the guys this morning, Sean and Seth, were talking about the inaugural season. Look, that team beat two playoff teams. That team yeah. didn't have this much trouble scoring. Now, you had the 47 yards against Pittsburgh, but the defense scored. But who cares? I, who cares? Exactly. You beat them up there yeah. in December, and it was awesome, and they yeah. were a playoff team. So awesome at the time, relatively. I get it. Right. It's all uh, on a curve. But this is really this is really tough. Last week, for me, was more painful of a loss because it was coming off the Tennessee game, yeah. and it was a team that I really felt the Texans should have been able to get over on. And yesterday was, you know, they're all painful. They all hurt, whatever. I'm not going to do the pain rankings right now. That's for another show. <laughs> I was worried about the Colts. To Dre's point, the Colts have gotten healthy, minus Ryan Kelly with the COVID. You know, DeForest Buckner was supposed to have a knee issue, uh, but he played. Then they're rotating dudes in. I was I was worried about them. Yeah. And then, oh, by the way, and I, I just have to, I have to say this. We have, seen, we have seen some of the greatest receivers in NFL history make catches. In this building, right? right? Like, we've seen the best. We've seen some incredible catches. I would put Kenny Moore's interception up against any of them with toe drag swag for a defensive guy to come up with that pick that he had. I went up to him at the end of the game after it was over. He's down on the field. He's shaking everybody's hand. And I went up to him. I said, Kenny, I'm John Harris, sideline reporter of the team. I said, I just want to tell you, you're one of the most fun defensive players that I have ever seen, ever. I said, yeah. and I'm I'm looking down at him. I wasn't like he's five nine. I just was like, you know what? I got to tell this guy how great he actually is. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. So that leads me back to this Patriots Bills one, Drake. Because I've got to say this: Mark and I are talking during a break, and Mark is poo poo, and your boy Mac Jones doesn't think he has a high ceiling. Your thoughts? No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. He said exactly. it verbatim. <laughs> No, uh, he, I think I think Mark has grown to like Flash. You know that that's what he likes. He, he doesn't like this, you know, steady as she slow, goes, steady wins the race. You know, yeah. and that's exactly what what Mac Jones is. He's steady. He's not he's not flashy. He is a pure pocket passer. Now he's athletic enough when you know you play man to man coverage on him, and all of a sudden you're you're got an outside game going in the middle of the field opens up yeah he can pull it down and run it uh, at times he's athletic enough to do those things but that's not his game his game is to distribute the football and bore you to death by taking care of it uh, and move it down the field that's exactly what he does he processes information already he is well versed in in that new england language of of uh of football or the, the playbook itself uh it's not you know it's not exciting to watch him but he just does his job, which is all they're ever going to ask him to do in New England. And he'll start stacking wins because of it. Okay. So something really weird happens this week. Really weird. Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills are both out. 
and the Texans have to go get a quarterback to play this week against Seattle. Right. This one's for both of you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Is it either former Texan Taylor Heineke or current Eagles quarterback Gardner Minshew? Which one you picking to win a game against Seattle this weekend? Oh, on a one-game basis? One game. One game. Right Tyron price. Davis will be back. I'll take the, the right mustache price, I'll mullet. Take the, I'll take the elevator for the right price. Coming down. <laughs> oh, yeah, Trey, Trey will get out there. He, he might take a knee. <laughs> yeah, I can. Listen. I can still hand it off with the best of them. Yeah, um, and listen, yeah. this this building can't handle your swag on the field, Trey. You know that. But you got to pick Minshew take- or Heineke. Who are you taking, and why? Oh, we. That's a that's a great one. I'm I'm gonna go Heineke from the simple point that he's been playing all along. Uh, and he, you know, he's kind of burst in the game and the speed of things. Uh, but boy, Minshew just seems to, this is mojo about that guy. He just yep. seems to get it done. And, you know, it, it's, it's crazy to watch, uh, you know, him from afar because you know, when he gets in and he believes it. if you give me an opportunity and mm-hmm. you put me on the field, you're not going to get me off. That's just, right. you know, he believes me. He, he, he's the type, he is the guy that bets on himself that every coach wants on his team. I think there's a term that I need to popularize yeah. called backup bounce. Yes. It's like the Wall Street dead cat bounce, right? The backup bounce. Backup comes in, you get a bounce because the backup comes in, nobody's ready. Oh, my gosh, he plays so well. Start right? firing everywhere. Right. Just, but then you know. the second week, yeah. the backup, everybody's on to him. They watch the tape, and the backup thing is over. Right now, Minshew might be that right now at this stage of his career, but who knows? That was a good performance yesterday. Plus, he can run a little bit, and I like that about him. If I have a one-game situation, Johnny. All right, Trey, we got to get to college stuff because the Tax Act Texas Bowl is taking place January fourth, right here at NRG Stadium, and it's LSU and Kansas State, and it's the last bowl being played before the national championship. It's after the semifinals. It's after the final four. So that's pretty cool. What do you make of the matchup? I love the matchup. You get two physical teams uh, going out, getting after one another. Brian Kelly is now on campus, so who knows what he'll say between now and then to to generate some attention for LSU. But I think he's going to be just kind of pushing forward a little bit. I think he's going to really have a chance to build a big-time winner at LSU, and I think it starts now. Uh, They're going to be ready for the bowl game. Kansas State has put together a, a good season. They can play fast, so you have some electric offenses on the on the field it should be a great show and then johnny alluded to uh, the amount of purple that will be in the building uh oh. that, that day so uh who, who wears the best purple is it kansas state's purple and gray or lsu's uh purple and gold it, it should be a it should be a fun game well my favorite players in college football will be here deuce vaughn running back oh yeah for k-state yeah. i mean he's lucky if he's five five i mean i'll be honest. i mean he's lucky he's five five he's talking about making He's a, yeah, he's not he is. You talk about making plays that this way. In, a, in a phone booth. You oh. can't. You would put. You would put a fingernail on him. He's so quick. It's, it's Dre, crazy. the playoffs. The playoffs have been announced. It's Alabama and Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. It's Michigan and Georgia down in the Orange Bowl. Your overall thoughts with the four? How things turned out this weekend with Alabama beating Georgia, et cetera. What's your thoughts on the CFP with those four in particular? Um, I thought. Cincinnati got jobbed. I've been saying this the whole time. You know, yeah, I'm happy that they're in. Not so happy that they beat my coups to get in, but I'm glad to see a group five school 
at least get an invitation to the party. Now, when you get in there, uh, who the heck knows what kind of party it is because it seems like a setup that uh, they've got to play Alabama, the bed, the team that's playing the best football right now. I thought they should have been two or three at the very least, uh, but they're going to get the toughest road of anybody to, to get them out of there quickly. So it's against Alabama, which I think is a little unfair, but I, I like them being in. Uh, other than that, I think the, the four teams that are chosen are the right four teams, not particularly crazy about the order, but uh, you know, it, it should make for a good playoffs. Interesting. Uh, so what do you think here? Georgia, why do you think it was so tough? Were you expecting that? What are your thoughts on how that went down with Bama and the SEC championship? Well, I just think that you know, <clears throat> there are a certain group of teams that <laughs> on my desk or in my desk drawer that I have that lose games when they're supposed to win. Georgia's yeah. one of those teams. They're, they are one of those teams. I, I always spit them out as they come. Oklahoma State against Baylor is another. Um, and, and so on. So Florida, I would add to that list. That's just off the top of my head. But it's, it's just tough to beat Nick Saban when he's he knows kind of what what makes you tick. And he knows what makes Kirby Smart tick in his teams. Then I think the linebacker that they lost uh, a, a few weeks ago was so talented and meant so much to that defense that it hasn't played the same. They've kind of been searching for that replacement or that level of play since he left uh, the lineup. So it's it's going to be it's it's tough for them. I don't know that they get by Alabama a second time. I think the the way everything was set up, it was set up for that to happen uh, as a national championship game uh, with the rankings. But I'm not sure that with uh, Stetson Bennett that. Georgia can win a national championship. These they, they can play steady all year long. We knew that they would be able to run the football and dominate the line of scrimmages. They've done that, but then when you get in big games, you got to have big time quarterback play, and and they're they're just not getting that. Oh yeah, Alabama, Cincy, Michigan, and Georgia. Trey's the best to talk to about college football. He has covered these teams all year. He had Cincinnati, East Carolina a few weeks ago. So he knows these teams very well. And I know that one of our biggest fans out there, they know the air conditioning business better than anyone. And those are my good friends over at Daikin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's Daikin, and it's my man David Fletcher, I'm going to talk a little Kansas State, LSU, and some college football. Fletch was at Jerry World for one of the greatest college football plays maybe ever, arguably the best play in the history of Baylor football. We'll talk about all of that next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome to Monday edition of Texans All Access. Great to be with you. I am John Harris, football on a sideline reporter. And I am pleased to be joined by one of my good friends in the building. He runs things at Lone Star Sports and Entertainment and with the Tax Act Texas Bowl. See, if you say it slowly and methodically, it's not hard to say, my man, David Fletcher, Tax Act Texas Bowl. I've been working on it. How'd that sound, my friend? 
You nailed it, Johnny. And uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, you and all of our friends at ESPN and throughout the media can, can keep saying it a whole lot. And they should with good reason. We've got a fantastic matchup down here come January 4th to start the new year with LSU and Kansas State in the Tax Act Texas Bowl to get the new year started right. Fletch, as we were going into the weekend, I, I was holding out hope. I had three teams in mind, Kansas State, LSU, and Iowa State. Those are the three. I was hoping with LSU's win over Texas A&M, that would get them bowl eligible. And I was like, man, we got to have LSU. And then, to me, Iowa State, Kansas State, I don't say it was coin flip in some sense, but I felt like both teams would bring in tremendous energy into Houston. And whether it was Iowa State, LSU, or K-State, LSU, we're going to end up with a great football game. We get the Wildcats and the Tigers. You did a great job, my man. Uh, if you can't take us through the process of how we got to these two teams, Kansas State and LSU. Yeah, I mean, I think your, your assessment was pretty much spot on with, with mine as, uh, as we headed into the weekend. Um, you know, on the Big 12 side, um, we do have that selection third overall. Uh, as you looked at how things unfolded on uh, Saturday and um, Johnny, I got to tell you, man, I, I know you were working hard on your own broadcast side, but I got a chance to go to that Oklahoma state Baylor. Oh. game. Oh my gosh. What a game. It was such a cool ending, but the whole game itself, I mean, the, the energy was definitely around Oklahoma state and, um, and, and they had a great crowd, but Baylor just kept hanging around, kept turn, getting the turnovers and, yep kept doing what they needed to do. And, and I mean, that, that last play will be etched in my mind uh, forever. It was just such an amazing atmosphere and kudos to our friends in Waco, the Baylor bears on their um, big 12 championship win. Um, so, you know, we knew those two teams were going to be out of the mix for us. We had a really good feeling based on historicals and the way the season went that Oklahoma also would be off the board uh, by the time our selection was there. And sure enough, they were, going uh, to the, the Alamo bowl this year to play Oregon. So, yep. um, you know, when it came down to it, um, we had four options uh, of the seven that were available from the big 12 side, um, Texas tech, tremendous finish to their year. Were they able to get bowl eligible uh, despite uh, the challenges on the field and yep. um, you know, a, a lot of energy around a new coach and Joey McGuire um, did start the season with us here in Houston. So from a, from a, geographic and from a uh, you know, timely perspective, we felt like, um, you know, that was an option that, that was um, just not going to be one to, uh, to, to ultimately be our selection. Um, despite the fact that, you know, we've loved working with them and West Virginia also coach Neil Brown, great season for him as well. Um, but, but did have a six and six record as well. So uh, we looked at our two, seven and five teams. Um, we felt either one would be an incredible representative from the big 12 side. And ultimately I was able to call uh, athletics director, Gene Taylor yesterday and, and say, you're our choice. And, and uh, couldn't be more thrilled. Kansas state, our 2016 champions uh, becomes the uh, becomes uh, part of what will be the first ever matchup between two of our former champions in this game. Like that. Uh, yeah. And, um, and so we, we were really excited that the, 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 I've used the phrase a couple different times. It's going to rain a lot of purple early in January here in Houston, because on the other side, we'll have, of course, the LSU Tigers, but what a great brand, what a great tradition Kansas state has, you know, Chris Kleiman, what he's done in his third season, really elevating that program um, coming off of a rough year last year. They've got some incredible players. They've got a very strong fan base. Uh, they travel incredibly well. And uh, we're really looking forward to seeing them down here uh, to face the LSU Tigers on the SEC side. 
you know, that side, we don't have a selection. Um, and with 13 teams available on, um, on the SEC side, we knew bowl season was going to be uh, filled with a ton of, of SEC talent. Ultimately, you know, the conference selected LSU for us to participate down here. Um, and in and, and talking with uh, their athletics director, Scott Woodward, yesterday, you know, again, this is basically home for them. Um, it's a fantastic market for LSU. Uh, strong alumni base, strong recruiting base, strong player base, strong student base, uh, incredible brand in our parts. And, um, you know, you and I re recall this. I, I don't know how many of our listeners uh, do, but kind of comes full circle. LSU started their year here in Houston. Um, That's not, right. Yeah. Not not expecting to, but because of Hurricane Ida, um, you know, in our relationship with the uh, with the institution, we were able to accommodate them here. Um to practice as they, as they got prepared for the start of their season um, while um, Hurricane Ida affected the region. And, um, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity to welcome them back. Our 2015 champions, and um, that game, as you remember, had a couple of pretty good players in it. Oh, yeah. uh, guy uh, toting the Brock for the uh, Super Bowl champions in Leonard Fournette. And uh, what's his name in Kansas City, the quarterback there? I can't remember it. Yeah, Sam Mahomes or Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mahomes, so, yeah. So, so great energy around both of these two teams past participation in our game. And uh, we think it's going to be just an unbelievable celebration to start the new year here at NRG. Fletch, it's interesting you bring up that 2015 Texas Bowl because Drew and I were just talking about that on In the Lab. And we started rifling through the names and we just hit a couple of them. And it's amazing. It's Leonard Fournette and DJ Chark and Tredavious White and Arden Key and Davin Godshaw, Jamal Adams on the LSU side, Jakeem Grant, DeAndre Washington, Patrick Mahomes, Kiki QT on the Texas Tech side. I mean, wow. I mean, it's just it's mind blowing to think of the talent that was in that game. It's funny you bring it up, but I got to ask you, while you, you mentioned it, you were up the Big 12 championship game. I want to live that final play through you. Where were you? What could you see? And what was the reaction when the Oklahoma State running back came up literally inches short? So, so Johnny, uh, one, um, I, I was, I was uh, fortunate enough uh, to be down on the field, although on the opposite end uh, of the field. So like uh, all 70,000 other people, I was looking up at the big screens yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> over midfield. And, um, you know, just – I mean, the, the Baylor sideline is where I was standing. Um, the energy, you could just see it in slow motion. Um, the, the bench was, was feeling the anticipation, um, the ultimate one-on-one -on -one battle. Um, my, my first reaction as I looked over was, um, was like many, I actually looked over at Dave Aranda and just was curious <laughs> how he responded. And yeah. as, as has been shown countless times on, on replays over the last couple of days, just didn't move an inch, didn't didn't celebrate because uh, he knew there was still four seconds left on the clock. Just yep. the old football coach always mentality lies. Oh. So, I mean, but what I could tell you, I could tell you a story of being in that situation, and it's the most nerve-wracking thing ever, ever. Yeah. It's crazy. But but for our friends at both institutions, just uh, an amazing season for both. Baylor going to get a chance to play. Uh, Ole Miss in in that game we talked about a few yeah. weeks ago that should yeah. have been here to start yeah. the year last year uh, should be a fantastic matchup in the All State Sugar Bowl and then Oklahoma State's going to get uh, all their money's worth and then some facing a really good Notre Dame team um, 
with a lot of energy around their new head coach, which ties back to our game here in Houston. Fletch, January 4th, you've got the last, we've got the last bowl game before the national championship game. And there'll be that odd quirk of playing the 2019 Texas Bowl in 2019, not having one in 2020, unfortunately, and then in 2021 playing the game in 2022. So it's going to look like there's three counter years in between, even though we just missed the one game. But I want to get your thoughts about just having the bowl back. Because you've said this many times, it is what we do. And you guys do such a great job with the bowl game. But to not have it last year, and, and look, for good reason, the safety of teams and all that kind of stuff. But I know you. I've gotten to know you over the years of being in the building. And even though you tried your best to put your brightest smile on it, I know that had to sting not having the bowl last year. So now you get this great matchup. Is there – how do you feel about having the game back? I mean, you said it, it's what we do. And, uh, you know, as an organization, um, we put great pride, um, all of us, you, me, everybody that's involved in putting this thing together on a weekly basis for the team side. And then uh, when we get the privilege on, on the Lone Star events and, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's just, a, it's great to, to be able to, to see all those efforts come to fruition in, in uh, making some memories happen for the student athletes, for the coaches, for the families, uh, for the fans that are going to be coming in. Um, we've got a, um, we've got an eye throughout all of it on ensuring a safe environment, but um, you know, our, our activities this year are going to look like they did in 2019, um, you know, with a full stadium uh, with a full week of fan events and um you know, I, I think given given the fact that um, we, we had a window where we didn't get to do it, it makes it that much sweeter. Um, and, and I think, you know, my job is, is to make sure that we keep our eye on all those things that we need to to make it a great experience. Um, but most importantly, to do that in a manner that that is service focused and, and focused on what we're here to do, which is create positive memories for people. Yep. However, we can do that and bring people together through the game of football. And um, boy, I, I, the, the reaction I had yesterday uh, from from both uh, institutions, the coaching side, the athletics department side, uh, they're fired up to be here. Uh, the fans are are looking forward to a great matchup and a great week of college football activities. We've got a new date, as you mentioned. We get that crazy little quirk where we're the last game uh, of bowl season. But um, for us, that's a huge, huge moment for Houston to showcase once again, why we are the premier destination for college football and major events in this country. Got a great partnership with ESPN that will help tell that story. Uh, and a lot of important partners in the hospitality space and key stakeholders in the community uh, that are really focused on making uh, the team arrivals all the way through the final whistle, uh, the best experience it possibly can be. And that gets me really jacked up. Yeah, no doubt. Fletch, as you're watching that Big 12 game the other day, the Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma State and Baylor, if Oklahoma State does score, do you think that an 11-1 Oklahoma State would have made it into the playoffs before a 12-0 Cincinnati squad? Do you think that would happen? And, and was that kind of the feel you were getting as you were kind of watching that game, like, hey, if Oklahoma State wins and, yeah, let's say Cincinnati wins, 
maybe Oklahoma State's got an opportunity to step up above them. What did you kind of think as you're watching all of that unfold from that perspective? Well, I, I think, Johnny, the, 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 the public sentiment had already buried Alabama, which was proven yeah, to be wrong. Very <laughs> true, on, yes. On, uh, at that point. Um, but look, uh, you know, I, I, um, I give all the credit in the world to, to the administrators that have to make that decision on, on how you select those teams. Oh, yeah. it's, it's not an easy uh, thing. I, um, I know many of them personally, and, um, you know, they do take it incredibly seriously because they know the ramifications of, oh, yeah. of their decisions. I, I can't speak to, you know, if, if they would have gotten in or not. I, I yeah. would say having gotten to know Oklahoma State, both from just hosting them in 2019 and many of that, uh, many of the, those players and staff are still part of this year's team. Um, but just working with the Big 12, who's been our, our core partner in this event um, since really day one in 2006, um, you know, I know they had a lot of good, solid individuals. They were really uh, excited about the direction of where the season was going. They still yep. are. Yep. I mean, Coach Gundy is one of the best in the business. And for them to finally um, to finally get into that championship game, while not ultimately what they wanted to do uh, from, a, from, from a season's goals perspective, yeah, to play for the conference championship for the first time and, and really get a chance to um, continue their season um, on the highest of notes is something that um, I know every every one of their members of their staff took great pride in. I also know they're going to have a heck of a of a matchup out in Phoenix out at the, the Fiesta Bowl and yeah. and they're looking forward to that. And um, I think as as fans, you know, it's really hard to um, to, to to take put the, the noise aside and, and all the things that happened in those final weeks leading up to the selection. But, but now that the teams are set, you look around the landscape of what bowl season looks like, and it is a phenomenal set of games this year. Yep. All 42 top to bottom um, have some incredible stories. And as a fan, as somebody in the business, uh, I'm, I'm most looking forward to just being able to watch the full slate and, yep hear guys like you talking about the the storylines that I don't know uh, as well as I should um, and uh, and just enjoy what we have back again in full. You're exactly right about that. I said that Saturday when I was calling the, the Division II bowl game that they had the Heritage Bowl uh, in Corsicana, and I just said, man, to have bowls back. And it's funny, as I was doing that open, I saw your face. I know that sounds weird, but I was doing the <laughs> open and I talked about bowl games coming back in 2021 and I saw your face. I was looking to a camera, but I can promise you I was seeing your face because I know how special it's got to be. I know it's special for me to have the game back. I love the bowl game. I've always loved the bowl game. Um, and now the tax act is involved to have the tax act, Texas bowl, totally jacked for that. I love having football in January. So that's going to be awesome too. Uh, and Fletch, you've done an incredibly awesome job in getting this matchup together, uh, looking out for the city of Houston, uh, looking out for Depelchin. You do a great job, man. And I'm looking so forward to January 4th. I'm so pumped for it. Uh, but thank you so much for your time, my friend. And we look forward to having more. First, oh, wait, how did I say this? You want to get tickets? How do you do it? <laughs> I was going to get it in there. Don't worry, Johnny. I, I, had you, it I know you were, so, but I was like, uh, I got to be the kind <laughs> guest like I, I'd like to be and make sure I set you up. I got to be, you know, like, I was going to say John Stockton to Carl Malone, but in Houston, that's not a good thing. So I don't know, right. maybe like Catino to Steve, maybe that, but how can I get tickets to the game? TaxActTexasBowl.com is the best spot to go for all the information on game week, tickets, uh, packages for, for hospitality, 
Um, we've got an incredible bowl week uh, set up for fans, live music everywhere um, with three major events featuring some great Texas artists. So all the details at taxacttexasbowl.com. I, I don't need to tell anybody here that they don't already know. This is a big deal for our community. It's Houston's largest college football event. Um, you know, last time LSU was in this game, set a record for attendance for, for a college football postseason event in Houston with almost 71,000 fans. Um, you know, Kansas State only brought 69,000 plus the, the next year as they played a and So <laughs> yeah. it's a big deal. And uh, we do anticipate a full house out here, which would be a lot of fun. So get your tickets while you can and all the information to make it a great week. TaxActTexasBowl.com. That man gets it done. David Fletcher, LSSE, no doubt. And this segment was brought to you by our friends at Mattress Firm, the official mattress retailer of your Houston Texans. All right, we get back. We hear a little bit from Spencer Tillman on the Oklahoma coaching position. Brett Venables is the guy. That's next right here on Texans All Access. 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 I am calling all my Houston area teachers out there. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? Let's sign up for Toro's Materials, presented by Phillips. Toro's Materials is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn math using football and using Texas football. Go check out HoustonTexas.com slash Toro's Materials, presented by Phillips. Phillips. We absolutely love having our guy Spencer Tillman on the air. His presence has become even more important because of what's gone down at the University of Oklahoma. I wanted to know how he felt about the new Oklahoma head coach. Brent Venables, head coach of Oklahoma, never should have had the term co put in front of his name when Mike Stoops was appointed the co-defensive coordinator. Never should have happened. I say the arc of the Moore universe in football is long but it bends towards justice. You can never, ever stretch the fabric of reality and not have it snap back. This is the case. It took some years to do it, but it snapped back. And the good thing about it is it worked both ways. For Brent Venables, who at the time that he takes this job, the highest paid assistant in college football. So it's not all downhill. So now you come back to the place where the crime was committed and you get a chance to restore it. Doesn't have to do anything brash. Just be the coach that you are. I love the call. I also think it's a great move to bring Brent Venables back to the University of Oklahoma. He's got to build a staff, got to get a strength conditioning coach, all that kind of stuff he's got to do. So he's got some key hires that he's got to work on. But I think Brent Venables going back to the University of Oklahoma is a big, big deal. All right, it's Monday night. Monday night football, Bills Patriots. That also means Miller Light a championship partner of the Houston Texans. Make sure you got your Miller Lite for tonight's game. A big thanks to Spencer, to Andre, to Mark, to all of you for listening. We will see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.